Hello and welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast and another in our series of podcasts that answer everything you need to know about insert name of car here. So we've already done the Land Rover Defender, we've done the Porsche 911 and today we're going to tackle the BMW M3. And just as a reminder, um, the way these things work is we get our SEO team to pull the internet's most asked questions about this car. So the questions that we're going to propose, this is this is you people, this is the things that people want to know out there about this car. So some of the questions are a bit weird and a bit dodgy but actually by the time we get to it hopefully we'll be able to get across everything and just to get across to the people who don't know what seo is because you don't <laughs> operate in a, in a in a business like ours that's basically our in-house google nerds who just yes. track all our analytics and see what people Search are asking engine optimization but essentially yeah these are the things um when you search for the the, the search term bmw m3 these are the things that people are asking google so we're going to use our superior experience and knowledge and definitely not the Wikipedia page to um, <laughs> to answer these questions. So should we kick it off? What's the first question? What is the BMW M3? That's it's the most asked question. No, no, these, I don't think these are in order. I don't think these are in okay. order. It's just in there. So I think this is probably a chance to do a bit of the history and a bit of a potted origin story oh, so you're looking you like. at me I yeah. am. <laughs> the old man's in the room <laughs> you're, out, you're around yeah, yeah. You? Um, so well, in the broadest possible terms it's a fast 3 series so M, BMW's M division is the, is, has always done their, their, tuner, their tuned cars if you like and 3 series was their sort of what used to be called a compact executive back in the day um, it was their sort of everyman saloon and the M3 was the fast version of it. So the first one came along in 1986 as a homologation special. It was designed to go racing. BMW wanted to take it racing, so they did this homologated car with a fast engine and some bodywork changes. And it was a great success. It was probably one of the earliest performance-modified cars. Um, but on that point, yeah. it's not just tuning... Everything from M is derived from motorsport, and that's where the hot ones come from and all the technology and what they know. So, yeah, for the first one, the E30, it's a, it was a homologation car, so they had to build 5,000 to be part of DTM. And I would advise everyone to go on YouTube now and watch uh, E30 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, DTM cars being smashed around the Nürburgring and everywhere else because it's the incredible era of you know 190Es versus M3s. And then from there, people liked fast you know, BMWs, so it's now just continued and... So subsequent models weren't um, so explicitly homologation specials. No, the idea was basically born and it was like, hang on a minute, we can, we can make some money out of yeah, this. Yeah. Um, but the, but the, the sort of acorn of the idea was, was born out of motorsport. Yeah, exactly. so basically more power, bloated body work, bigger spoilers... Faster interiors. Rear wheel drive, although we'll get onto that in a bit, Ooh. I suspect. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then um, the prizes for the most obvious question come next. Is the BMW M3 fast? Or maybe it's not as straightforward. <laughs> well, what is fast? Go back yeah, to History yeah. Corner again. Has the BMW M3 always been fast? Because I've not driven an E30, but I think you have, Ollie, and I bet it doesn't feel that rapid these yeah, days. Yeah, I mean, it is the only four-cylinder M3. They, after that, they went to six-cylinders. Um, and the original four-cylinder, well, it was probably quick back in the day, but certainly you drive one now and it doesn't feel particularly fast. The fastest ones only had 235, 237 horsepower. And it was light, but it wasn't 
outrageously quick. Um, but for the time, it's um, yeah, yeah, be quite. Well, I suppose fast could, all, could all also be interpreted as you know how quickly can you get around a racetrack, and in that respect, yeah, yeah. it was a fairly it was sizable pretty... jump over the standard three series oh, of its yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. never really been a car though for all its generations that's ever sort of had a walloping headline power figure. You've never really bought an M3, I don't think, because it was the fastest thing you could possibly get for the money. And BMW, I don't think, it's ever really chased like a massive power figure it's just come up steadily in increments and along the way they've had to embrace you know more cylinders and it's gone the cylinder count's gone up and down and they've added turbos and they've they've added speed along the way but yeah it's a really fast car these days but it's never been just an out and out speed merchant it's it's about so much more than that no but it was the the appeal was it was faster than your everyday car it was that bit above it's never been in the supercar realm but as you know the generations have gone on it's been tweaked, and now there's some very various serious serious ones that we get onto, and most sports arrive ones. But uh, yeah, generally, it's going to be quicker than your normal three exactly. series. Let's put it as that. And, and that space, you, what, what you say about BMW never chased that headline power figure or acceleration figures or anything. That space, in some way, was sort of filled by AMG, who you know sledgehammers, sledgehammers. Yeah, more power, more noise. You know, and 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 we're all for it frankly because there should be differentiation between the cars and that's that's why they've sort of survived so well um okay uh next one which bmw m3 has a v8 Uh, well you you touched on four cylinder for the for the e30 then then it went into six cylinder and six cylinder is probably what defines the m3 or certainly does in my head but this might be a generational thing but certainly the the straight six naturally aspirated engine that was came after the e30 came in the e36 and the e46 generations which sort of carried the the m3 all the way through the 90s and into the and up to sort of 2008 those were straight sixes the v8 came along was the e92 generation and that was when they basically went we can't get enough power to keep up having said there's not they weren't into the power walls couldn't get enough power out of it out of a 3.2 litre straight six so went to a four litre v8 they kind of had their arms twisted by the rivals didn't they because at that point the mercedes rival like you were saying jack the amg were were laying it on pretty thick back then that was the c63 which had a 6.2 litre naturally aspirated v8 and then audi bloody upstarts they'd come along with the rs4 and that had a 4.2 litre v8 so yeah yeah bmw was sort of almost dragged i guess into the v8 wars but they came along with an 8,000 rpm engine so exactly no one's actually complaining (laughs) yeah yeah. but as you say about the generational thing this is the m3 that was kind of when i was growing up the one to you know i wanted and was, was to have and it was also price point wise you know above a hot hatch and attainable performance and it had a stonking big v8 which when you straight pipes it just sounded absolutely awesome but you know on the point of are they fast you know it's not to 60 and under five seconds which was always the benchmark you're near it you know this was the era where 500 horsepower was a lot and then you were knocking on the door for that so the e92 for me was also if when you were in that v8 era was just like the, one of the coolest cars that it's you can interesting because is it fair to say it's it's one of the more unloved generations maybe it's that the six cylinder thing you said yeah. that 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 is where an m3 lives and a lot of the purists feel it should be so the v8 was sort of shunned before 
given a chance. A, a little bit, yeah. I yeah. think there was that there was that feeling sense behind it that it would had a had sort of outgrown itself almost. Is that funny thing, isn't it? As cars come along, you know, it's oh, it's got it's got too big, it's got too heavy, it's gone a bit soft, and that kind of happens to Porsche 911s and AMGs and BMW M3, and then latterly you look back and go, well, actually, it was a bit of a savage because yeah. you know it had a relatively for these days a small amount of power, and I bet these days it's probably a bit light compared to a current. M3, but I just love the idea that that engine was basically sort of four fifths of the V10 that they put in the M5 back in the day, yeah. and you know, and they BMW made a huge thing about how it was actually lighter than the six cylinder that had gone in the E46 M3 before it. Obviously, desperately trying to keep the purists on side, who, like you were saying, chaps, were a bit peed off that it wasn't a six cylinder anymore. But yeah, those V8s these days, I think that's a bit of a modern classic. You can get those for about. 22, 25 grand now. That's a that's a hell of an engine. You get the engine for free and just lob in the rest of the car. But for that generation, they also had two, for me, very special uh, editions where they had the GTS, which was a yeah. super motorsport hardcore version. I can take yourself to the Top Gear's YouTube channel and look at Stig Drifts, mm. the M3 GTS, and then you'll that's a proper motorsport Bright engine. Bright orange, big wing. Bright orange, lightweight. That's kind of influenced a lot of where M3s have gone now, especially with special editions. But also there was the CRT, which was the four-door super stealthy one as well which was cool but um carbon racing yeah. technology exactly when everything's starting yeah, yeah. a bit mad with lightweight stuff but uh because yeah. we haven't we haven't talked much about doors and things but most of them were good coupes all the e30s were coupes the e36 they did do and i think they were the coolest ones they did a four door e36 but they lost the four doors for the 46th generation and then they came back for the E92. Yeah, it's actually been a really inconsistent car, isn't it, over the yeah. years? Because sometimes there's been a convertible, as you say, and then there hasn't. Sometimes, as you say, there's been a saloon, and there hasn't. They even did, for the E92, they did a one-off pickup truck version, which was inspired by uh, a BMW that was converted to run around the factory, taking parts around the factory floor, and they just took a 3 series that was lying around and chopped the back end off it. They done like, so a one-off version of that. Now, these days, we'll get into the fact that there is a new body style with a big boot on the end. It's, it's sort of never really set with the M3 one day yeah. it's a saloon and the other day it's a coupe but but I like that because it means that in my head it means that the BMW's engineers and people have gone no this one would really suit this or this mm. one would work better like that but also where AMG have been a bit hamstrung because we were so used to V8s with that now that they're having to change their cylinder count with the M3 you just kind of accept it because it's kind of been up there and everywhere and in, in, in every configuration that you don't really know what you're going to get next but you're quite um, uh, appreciative of it that's a nice little segue, actually, because what makes the BMW M3 special is the next question. Oh, you and could fill a whole podcast just on yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you? I mean, we've 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 already touched on it and everything we're talking about here, but but you know what what gives it that kind of unique flavour that that these other hot rod saloons and well, I think like Rowan touched on earlier that like for his and my generation, that V8 as you're getting into cars, you're reading car magazines, you're maybe just about to pass your driving test. That's that's the one that you're into. It's almost like, you know how everyone's favourite James Bond actor is the, the James Bond actor who was playing James Bond, the first Bond film they saw, or that, you know, of their generation. I've never thought of it like that. Pierce Brosnan, yeah. So, yeah. yeah exactly. Roger. So there you go. So everyone's got their sort of... It's an unanswerable question, what's the best M3, I guess, but what makes it special is, I guess, well, what got you into cars at the time that M3 came out? Was it big revs? Was it mega turbo power and loads of tech? Was it super lightweight purity? Is so many. It's been so many different kinds of car over the years. You could argue it's, well, it's basically whatever you like about it. Okay. 
we could at this point touch on the special edition. You, you know, you talked about the GTS, the CRT. Uh, you know, there's the CSL. Uh, I mean, these these are the cars. These are the kind of halo moments. They don't always hit the spot, but actually, they they kind of take you know the essence of a generation of M3 and then kind of enhance them. And uh, sometimes it works, and some. So, what, what are the best specials that have come from the M3? Well, the E46 CSL will go down on yeah, yeah, yeah. list, I In think. fact, that yeah. one are that one are M best M car ever. Yeah, last year was last, BMW yeah. M's 50th anniversary. We did a rundown of the top 50 cars. Um, the CSL won that. And it's um, kind of funny to think that now we just take for granted lightweight specials, don't we, and, and cars that are set up very much for track use. But back in 2003, BMW taking the M3, which is a very heartland, sensible, four-seat, kind of family-ish sports coupe, mm-hmm. and carbon fibre front seats, no back seats, you know, a reinforced cardboard boot floor to save weight, tyres which were so slick that you had to sign a disclaimer when you took delivery saying, I promise not to drive it in the wet. Just, you know, <laughs> no radio, I don't think, as standard. You got that button that's now in all M cars that changed the shift speed of the paddle shift gearbox, which would have seemed hopelessly futuristic in the early 2000s. You know, select your gear shift strategy for the, you know, on the roundabout, on the way into work. But That's- also the gear shift in that car is dreadful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's of its time, though. And it's funny how now that people are going, oh, that's part of the character. That's as much of the character as that car as having a hand crank start in a in an early kind of pre-war car. You can get car, a manual conversion now, can't you? Well, anyone with a shed can have a go, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, ne- never officially. But the... The absolute unicorn of the special edition M3s which is something that I got into tucked into the other the other day. The the E46 GTR, where they only made six of them. Wow. Proper homologation special for a US market, wasn't it? No, uh, was it? no, I think it was just because it was just to homologate that uh, GTR uh, road car. So it had the race cars dry sumped engine in it. Um, I'm not sure. I think there's only one in the running in the BMW museum, but it had the full uh, race car bodywork on it. And that's um, pretty pretty extreme. So those those are some of the hits. Uh, new M4 CSL, fair to say that hasn't quite lived up. Yeah, to well, the they've badge, only ever do, done two CSLs: yeah. the E46 CSL, which we think is otherworldly, and the latest one, which we all think, having driven it last year, that it's a little bit of a miss, really, partially because the whole the idea of CSL was coupe sports lightweight. And the new one isn't particularly lightweight. I mean, yes, it's taken 100 kilos out over a standard M3, but it's still 1,600 kilos, and it doesn't do enough to convince us that it that it was a sort of a car that wanted to really enjoy road driving as much or more yeah. than it enjoyed it track ca- driving. It came alive on track a bit, When you it? went really, really fast, fast. Yeah. This, and when we you had, had it, the I'll... man from BMW put the tyre warmers on it, <laughs> yes, which you'll don't... obviously do every time you stop at the petrol station. <laughs> this is supposed to be a cracking little lightweight, you know, mm. tactile road car, and it was just, it was, a, it was sort of a track monster in disguise, it was. wasn't it? Yeah. It was, and I think that it really suffered because the, the current generation only has an automatic gearbox, has an eight-speed automatic. And literally, the downshifts weren't fast enough. They were just, you just go, I need to go down four gears because the brakes are that good. And the thing, the the engine wouldn't be able to keep up with what you're asking from it. But also, <clears throat> we're now expecting, back in the day, you would get an M3 and that would be it. And then, you know, there was an Evo 2, etc. But it, it, it wasn't as complex as it is now. And when a new M3 comes out, we know that there are going to be other variants of it. And where their position now is getting a bit complex and where the CSL is is very where it's 
much more of a track car, which would normally be taken by the GTS mm. model. And now, released last week, we've now got a CS model, which has been in other um, uh, generations too. But what you know, what is an M3, M4 now? Slice it however you like. Yeah. But, uh, the, you know, the most expensive one isn't always the best. Yeah, Watching it keep up with times has been fascinating isn't it yeah just saying about yeah you used to be able to press a sport button and press a gear shift speed button in the new m3 you can select what three different steering weights you can select if you're like a comfort or sports brake pedal you know how sensitive <laughs> you want the brakes to be you can I turn just the, want them to work yeah the augmented, <laughs> really well how loud would sir or madam like their augmented engine noise you know there are 10 stages of traction control to choose from you can even choose in the new one do you want the drive to go to all four wheels to all four wheels but mostly to the back or just all to the back I mean that's just been amazing to watch them try and keep this legendary nameplate alive while also morphing in just all of this computing power yeah yeah, and have illuminated badges on the seats oh don't get me started <sighs> yeah yeah the lightweight seats with lighter <laughs> badges get out <laughs> so moving on are they reliable hard one to answer Ooh. this Ro you've run a yeah, uh, you the, and I have both run long-term M3s. Long-term M3s. Well, you had the F80. I the F80. Which was the previous generation. Yeah, after the V8, we got the twin-turbo V straight six. Did Scary it behave itself? Car. Yeah, it did. I mean, you found it scary. I, I loved it. I actually really enjoyed it. I had, did about 12,000, 15,000 miles in it and loved it. But I will agree, it was could be quite grown up give you a few moments and i think that's probably why i enjoyed it it was a there was one time i occasionally a bit borrowed it for the weekend mm. set off to the supermarket it started to rain i turned around and went home <laughs> <laughs> it's now so far gone i could admit to that but come home empty-handed where's where, yeah. where's the bacon it had given me the willies earlier on that week because i'd been driving it back from the top gear test track so maybe the tires hadn't been in the best possible condition but i'd gone for a an up change on the gearbox. Do you remember that they used to really like it shunt the gear yeah, shift yeah. home to make you? It was like a sort of mini Lamborghini Aventador feel. It was like, well, you're a hero. You've gone all the way to the red line. Here's a kick in the back to reward you. <laughs> and and I stick the rear tires. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As I sort of fought for control, I thought, mm, well, I'm not sure this is the car for me. But Ollie loved it, so he's much <laughs> I did. braver. And it was it was extremely reliable. The only I, the only thing I can remember about it, uh, one of the things that went is the door seals got squeaky. So I looked on all the forums and had to fix sort of squeaky door seals and they just went, just spray some WD-40 on it. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the answer, to be honest, that's the answer to most cure-all. things, WD-40. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Always keep yeah. a can of that. But handy. rather than something, you know, completely bespoke or super high-end, these are just based on three series. So com- components are pretty easy to get yeah, hold of and you can point. just go to, a, you know, a BMW dealer to get them all sorted. With the older ones, I think it's like the E36 is a bit of corrosion, like a lot of cars in the 90s. I think the E46, everyone goes on about the rear subframes. So everything that holds the back end of the car on the rear suspension and the different things all on the subframe and that rusts so apparently if you're looking at those you've got to rip the boot carpet out so you know if you're looking around one while the you know ask the owners go make your cup of tea take the carpet out the boot have a feel around there see if it's at all you know wet or if it's a bit bit crusty and if it is run away and then it's the is it the, the vanos isn't the vanos the variable valve timing in the engines you need to check that that's um that that's been make looked any after nasty and, ticky noises exactly and the whole like if it starts up and there's a puff of 
interesting coloured smoke out the back, then you might like to um, go and look at a different one. But on the whole, yeah, right, as you say, it's it's a hot three series, so it's not going to be a, a total show pony. But also, I saw an E92 on classified the other day with 280,000 miles on it, so I think it wow. can it can go. But also, well done that person. But yeah. both Ollie and I, with our uh, the cars that we ran as long term, as um, had to go back to BMW with an apology note uh, because we'd put so many miles on them. <laughs> I think for the F80, we both drove it around Europe quite a lot, and I think yeah. it went back with nearly 20,000 miles. What what form did that take? Was that a post-it note on the on the dash? <laughs> no, no, like, no, sorry. Well, no, that came with the G80, the latest one that I driven around Europe and back again a few times and sent it back. Um, well, the first one had to go back because it had too many miles on. It's not your fault. Your friends were getting married in Portugal or something. Right? And I, ju- I decided to drive down to see them and then go go back. But for um, Ollie's one, um, it was basically an email from BMW saying this. I think the quote was, "This car is going to be very hard to remarket because it's basically six months old with twenty thousand miles on it." So uh, that's a yeah. compliment. But it shows oh, how usable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, that shows it's you know. We found it so super usable. We did a big trip around Europe where we went and did a story in Cortina d'Ampezzo with a Lotus, which is another one. That's a Bond story. It was great. Um, but we did. We spent 12 days or so loaded to the gunnels with photography kit, all sorts of stuff in the car, drove the whole way around, and it just didn't miss a beat. It was fabulous. And both really Yeah, then it, it came back, and then it did another ski trip, and then it came back <laughs> yeah. to London, and then it went down to the south of France. Then I drove it from the south of France to Austria, and then we drove it back, and that's how you get to 20,000 miles in six months. <laughs> Thank oh, you. One more slash. Sorry, BMW. Driving the current one a lot recently in the winter, filthy time of year, loads of salt and mud on the road. And it's like the only modern car where all the driver assistant bits, you know, all that stuff we're used to and a lot of us get annoyed with it and turn it off, all the lane assist and the automatic braking and that, it never stops working. You get in a Tesla or Volkswagen or something, and a sec, you know, the second there's a bit of drizzle, you get a warning on the dashboard, don't you? Bing, all the technology you've paid blocked. for yeah, isn't yeah. working. Yeah, so you're on your own sunshine. The M3, you can basically get it. So it's changed colour at the front. It's completely brown. And it all keeps working. I don't know if it's something to do with those massive nostril grills that ingesting all the dirt, <laughs> keeping the sensors clean. But Hoovering yeah, well done, off. BMW. They seem to have invented like impervious to weather technology. But also on that point of dirt, here's a little nerdy point. The brake pads are very soft on them. So I, if you're a bit nerdy about keeping your wheels clean, don't <laughs> go for the ceramics. Because basically <laughs> on the steels, you basically have brown front wheels the, the whole time and if you get the competition wheels they're a nightmare to clean whereas then I ran a four wheel drive car with the ceramics and because you're not using the, the, the pads are different the, the, the um, brakes and pads are different they don't get dirty so there you go That's how much it. how much for a set of ceramics the 10 Fine. grand aren't they about what 8 are grand they? I think yeah, eight to ten grand. So, or it's, so or it's a weekend grand. with a toothbrush <laughs> yes. polishing each spoke isn't it 10 grand problem solved they, but uh, they, they squeak in the winter as well so yeah swings and roundabouts so. <laughs> okay uh, again as we move down this list I think we're going to find partially answered questions do they do, do they come in manual I think what they mean is do they come with a manual gearbox? Not here anymore. No. We only get the M3 competition these days, yeah. and that is eight-speed auto automatic. only. But I think you can get a manual in the America. Yeah, with a lesser, with a non-competition engine. So and Europe. Down. All oh, right. Yeah. There we go. Lucky yeah. you if you've got left-hand drive. But also, yeah, the older ones, yeah, yes, mm. yes, you can. Up until the E36 was the first one that got an SMG gearbox, sequential manual gearbox. The, the aforementioned a, gearbox, which is a bit of a yeah, dog. which yeah. was a proper head nodder. Um, and they didn't really get that right until they fitted the twin clutch in the E92. Um, but yeah, the early manual shifts—they were quite—they were quite ponderous, actually. Everyone goes on about because certainly the e th- original E30 had a dog leg, so first was down and back. Um, whereas yeah, the le- later ones were 
they were they didn't have the I always found them quite heavy gear shifts quite you need to be quite precise with them but um yeah and then they all went yeah, but all, gone to auto also for the, for the for the F80 and the, and the later the newer cars say if you were in Europe or America you know people aren't buying these manual gearboxes so there's not as much development that's gone into them i don't think it's a great change also these engines with the turbos are quite spiky yeah to be have your hand off the wheel and drive it fast is a bit different more Maybe difficult. For, for such a driver's car uh, you'd assume that a, a manual gearbox might be quite a, a sort of celebrated part of the m3 experience but actually you know they, they've they've been available with them over the years but we haven't really lamented the fact that they've Not gone the away. Not the manual. No. We've, we lament the, the straight sick, the engines, basically. I mean, whenever I think of M3, it's the noise of either that V8 in the 92 or the straight six in this 46. That it, I, I just a kind of metallic so clearly. kind of... Um, yeah, very crisp and clear Resonance. Noise. It yeah. sort of hits a certain... That RPM, carbon yeah. airbox in the CSL. Yeah. What a noise. But also, yeah. you can change gear off the gear knob, which people like Ollie Marriage, Stig, Chris Harris, etc., does look very, very good when you're grabbing gears mid-drift around, <laughs> around Hammerhead. Uh, you just take your hand off and bang it up and up to another one. Because, yeah, when they are sideways, they are incredibly well-balanced. And I think for a lot of us who are car enthusiasts, the, the M3 was, oh, you know, big engine, rear-wheel drive. You've seen a lot of them smoke around. Chassis balance is the M3's trump card, basically. Yeah. It's what it does better than anybody else. Mm. How much do they cost? Is it worth it? Oof, these days, has anyone got a price list handy? An M3? Well, yeah, M3 Touring yeah. is, what, 83? Yeah, M3 Touring is now 83, but that's complicated because you yeah, can only yeah. get it with X-Drive, the four-wheel drive system, um, and it's only available as the competition. So if you live elsewhere from the UK where you can, like you say, get the non-comp, you'll save yourself a few quid. But yeah, you can also put 12 grand of carbon fibre trim and seats in it, if you like. Yeah, yeah so yeah, the long-term... Uh, uh, G80 that we ran had all the options I think and it was over 100 grand I think it was nothing yeah. 100, so 300, wow. grand they're cresting yeah. slash breaching the 100k mark with uh, with a few options the, the latest cars yeah. which is quite shocking because growing up it was you know it was below the 911 or the, it was the 50 grand oh, it was 50k, performance 50k car. For, the, for the M3 that's your thing, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I'll work yeah. hard and I'll even, make 50 grand. Even like eight years ago when I ran that F80, that was only like a 58 grand car, mm-hmm. which was, okay, it was boosted to high 60s with the options, but it, they've, it's definitely gone a step yeah. in the But to run through, sense. like, the, the really, really quickly, so the E30, they've gone. They're now big auction fodder because they are rare, special, the first homologation. E36 used to be dirt cheap, but now, you know, being a bit more loved, their price the unloved one. It's the 996 of the Yeah, MP exactly. World. But they are coming up a little bit for a good one. E46, again, used to just be, you know, absolute fodder. You could just you know, buy, have, buy one yeah. for each day of the week. But the good ones are now going up, and especially all small wheels, manual. Oh, that's a very nerdy spec. Yes, please. Then the, the next one, the V8 one, that arguably is the M3 to buy now if you do want a bit of an M3 bargain you want to get yourself in on the M3 ownership act because yeah they're just in this sort of low 20s there's plenty of them around you could probably get yourself into one and then there's the the straight six after those you could argue that's also you know hitting its the bottom of its depreciation curve so those those M3s now when you say how much is an M3 you look at the new one and go what's well, a bit scary look for the ones a couple of generations ago because you might just bag yourself a bargain they also have made a lot of them so yeah there will be a bargain so there's sum, a bargain to be yeah, had I was going to say yeah so to sum up yes the new ones are scarily expensive these days we've talked about it earlier in the pod but for what you're getting we think it's a fair price as long as you're you know careful with the options um, but all these generations all these cars that were made go and have some fun in the classifieds because there are there are 
oodles of them. Oodles out there. Um, which is the best M3 to buy? Well, well let's go around the room. Cool. Should, we, should, we pick, should we pick a generator? E92 for you. I want an E92, yeah. E92. I'm actually looking at them. And also, it didn't help that uh, Ollie and I went to James Dean in Ireland <laughs> and uh, the track and saw the ultimate M3, his drift car, which doesn't have a BMW engine in it. But if you want to see car go sideways, <laughs> check that video out. 900 but, horsepower. Yeah, E92 for me, please. I think uh, E46, because my, my, my good friend, Brummy Matt, Owns one and they kill me <laughs> if I said anything else. But no, it, I, I do like the chunking, the way it looks, the way it sounds. It yeah, it feels like a sort of you know the the, the M3 DNA sort of distilled down that car. I, I, I drove past one on the way to work this morning. The exhausts are quite hilarious on it now because there was such a defining point of those quad exhausts that you know even if you're not a car fan, you're like that's the fast one. They're absolute pea shooters now compared to the yeah. touring yeah, yeah. that we were driving this week. But uh, yeah, great. That's a great car. Yeah, I'd go along with that. But I'd pick. There was a really, really limited run one called the E46 M3 CS, which came out after the CSL. But yeah, you could have a manual gearbox. I know we're saying it's not up to much, but I just I like the kind of the rarity, the nerd factor of that one. E46 M3 CS for me. Oh, you see, you've probably gone exactly where I was going to go as well because it is. I mean, just have are, a CSL. Just have a CSL. I would have a CSL. <laughs> but I'd, I'd have a manual conversion. Uh, I'm yeah. such a sado. No, no, <laughs> no. It's a connoisseur's choice. But E46, that straight six, yeah, peak engine. Lovely. Right. Um, is it rear wheel drive, all wheel drive? Again, we've touched on this, but let's just clear it up. It's both. Um, it's both. The latest generation, yeah, yeah it was a, a, a possible point of sacrilege for uh, enthusiasts who said, oh, the M3 needs to be rear wheel drive because you can do b- big smoky drifts. Well, uh, you can still do that with the new generation, which. So you go into the menu, you have s- several sub menus, and you can switch it off. Is there a big a warning that comes up on that? Are you sure you want to do yeah, this? Yeah, because it's even it, when you turn off, when you go from four wheel drive to two wheel drive, you have to turn all the stability and traction systems yeah. off, which always seems slightly curious to me. I just like to sample it with some of the safety nets in so place. It, it's even easier than that because basically now with the steering wheel you have two big red buttons on it, M1 and M2, which can be configured how you would like. So when I had uh, the one that we were running, basically M1 was, well, you drive it normally, just bang it into gear and it drives normally. M1, kind of semi-scary, four-wheel drive sport or something like that, and then M2's everything off and, you know, best of luck. Yeah. But basically, yeah, every M3 up until a couple of years ago had always been rear-wheel drive. Now you can get an optional four-wheel drive system it's about 1700 quid i think but even with that you can have it in a rear-wheel drive mode and it yeah. uh, does it add what's 50 85k some, uh, kilograms to the uh, yeah it adds a dollop weight. of weight but i think we all agreed when we drove it that it's it doesn't add so much weight that it spoils the car and what you get yeah. back in traction and kind of just every season usability is is more than it's, it's compensation made, made the m3 a more mature and grown up but usable car as well because as you say you you found that f80 i ran Slightly intimidating <laughs> yes. at times, and I, d- I don't disagree with you. So I, d- I think it's probably. A but good also, addition. as a full drive system, people get a bit scared. Go, oh, full drive's boring. Drive a Nissan GTR and then tell us otherwise. But this operates like that. It's very rear biased full yeah, drive. It's oh, great. it's a different animal to like an RS4. Yeah, it's, and then just so basically it will throw the power to the back and then dig you out from the front afterwards. But it actually m- makes it a really, really nice car to um, take down the road. And if you get you know lose traction, it basically saves you slightly easier than. So I'd take the box if I was buying a brand new M3 if the lottery numbers came in I think I would take I'll do it too you get the most of both worlds why not you Mm. can turn it on or off lovely Um, last question here and we appear to be going right back to basics Um, what makes it different to an M4 slash M5 it's what the internet wants to know guys 
Well, an M4 is an M3, but it's just a two-door version. We can clear that up. Yeah, Last generation, that they split the models, didn't they? Yeah. Four series was the coupe and the convertible, and the three series remains the saloon. And yeah. so, so up to 2015, everything was an M3. Exactly. Mild confusion when they when they brought in the M4 yeah. because there was an M3 coupe and an M3 saloon. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly they they changed the number, but yeah. 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 And then the M5 is the next model up. That's based on the five series, not the three series. The so M5 is a whole nother podcast. That's what the yeah, M5 yeah, yeah, yeah. is. <laughs> but basically, yeah, bigger V8. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that's, that's the way. Quick question. The SEO uh, monkeys haven't made this one. What's the best color to get an M3 in? Or what's the best M3 color? Well, it's one of those rare cars these days which has a really good color palette. Mm. There, what was the one you had? Isle of Man Green, was it? I don't you know, but and then Adventurine Red Two or something. Oh, like I didn't that. like yeah, that. Yeah. Was that the the, the Maroon one? The Burgundy oh, Slippers. Like that. Burgundy yeah. Slippers. Yeah. No, I don't really like that. Yeah, so basically, a bit like a Porsche, there is kind of like a PTS like style option where you can pick paint whatever, example. You, yeah, yeah, whatever you like. Um, but yeah, I, I would actually take that kind of maroony red, which is. Don't know about you, chaps, but I've noticed a lot of the current one, the big nostril one. A lot of them I see are black. And I do wonder if that's people going, I'd really, really like another M3, but I'm not sold on the front. So if I paint yeah. it black, you sort of can't it does really work. tell. It does work, yeah. doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I'd go for a, like a fr- I, the, the colour I had of the F80 in, which was a frozen silver. So it was relatively stealthy and yet it stood out a bit. And it looked really good. The way it reflected light over the swollen arches and stuff just looked... I love that. Same here, silver. I'd never, I've never thought of the M3 as a kind of... A color sensitive car. I always want to take it out of the equation, you know. Just, just a silver to me says M3, and that, and that's it. Have you seen that new highlighter yellow that the M4? Oh, yeah, no, 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 I can't remember. They're all named after racetracks, but it's, uh, but there was Austin yellow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, um, talk about black hiding the nostrils that oh. just made everyone point and stare yeah there's been a few dubious ones over the years remember the um, E46 M3 came in a colour that could best be described as hangover whittle <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then also the E92 GTS fabulous car but only available in kind of bright tango orange yeah. bit of a you know they should have definitely no, done I, a silver for that weirdly I like a bit of orange on, the, on that GTS because you're just like you're, you're all in on that car got wing anyway, and roll cage like, yeah. you know come on let's have bright orange why not they right. tried the, the so the the F eighty GT was that the white one with gold wheels? Yes. Oh no, it's like an orange and silver wheel. Oh, was is it? that the E nine? No, the E ninety two wasn't. That was the F eighty GTS. Yes, the F eighty GTS, oof. which wasn't quite as successful no. as the as the previous generation. Had water the, the injection one. in the boot. Yeah, you could exactly. top up your water tank, and then to cool yeah, the turbo. To cool it? the turbo, air into the uh, water in the intercooler. A fantastically yeah. nerdy place to finish there because it is just a. It's a fascinating car, and as you say, it, it jumps around. They play around with the engines and the body styles and the configuration and the technology. And um, we could probably talk for another half an hour, an hour on this car. But and soon um, they're going to have to add electric. To it. Yeah, what's the M3 of the future going to be? That's an interesting question, but not one to be answered now. Do or you not want to have a go? Or we might get a bit <laughs> upset. I yeah, mean, so, upset. So, so is it the latest M2 that they've said, yes, that will be the latest pure combustion the last, the last, car? Yeah, the last, last one with a manual, last with rear-wheel drive and last, yeah. So there we go. We know the next M3 will be hybrid. I think BMW are probably quite pleased that Mercedes have had to go first the way the timings worked out the new 60 C63's come out hasn't it and gone two litre four cylinder hybrid and it just gives BMW that few years I'm sure they're already yeah. working well away on it they'll already have low sorted capacity out. straight six hybrid yeah or naturally have, aspirated they'll be busy working on Ooh. it they've got some well, very very clever they'll boffins. want to stick with the straight six surely yeah. because like if we can get away with this plus hybrid um, to meet our 
emissions goals and everything else that they've got for the for the car, then why abandon that for a four cylinder? Although they have got it does hark back to the to the very original and I'm sure they yeah. could pluck on those mm. heartstrings if they wanted to. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. That's We're just giving of... them ideas. <laughs> no, this is free consultancy. <laughs> but in the meantime, there's reviews of literally every single M3 that's ever been created on topgear.com. So there's plenty of M3 bits and bobs to dig into there. And go hunting the classifieds. Yeah. Come on. That's where I'm going right now. Gonna yeah. lose a few hours. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. See you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe. Subscribe.